Hello, fam. How are you all doing, all you sinkers, sinkies, stands of the show, stands of listening to me talk for some reason? Did we come up with the official name yet for all of you? I don't know if we did. Just pod fam, sink fam. Anyway, welcome to our second day of Christmas, okay? So we are doing 12 days of Christmas. We're putting out 12 podcasts before Christmas Day for your holiday season. A lot of them will be 15 minutes or less podcasts, so many different things. Today's is a very special, special episode. Today is a crossover episode. I went on the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast um, and spoke with Emma, the wonderful host over there, and uh, that podcast went live on that feed today, and we are posting it here as well. That is what this episode is. I'm just going to talk at the beginning here for a little bit, and then we will run that episode. It's about an hour, very brisk, brisk for all of you who are used to me and Kyle talking for two hours and 30 minutes. Maybe you just listened to the eight hours of the of the Ultimate Bracket podcast. If you did, you're a champion. Um, you definitely get a say in whether or not you're called a stan, a sinker, a sinky. If you listen to the whole Ultimate Bracket series, you get a say. Slide into those DMs, and I will check DM for those names. Did I just tell you how to slide into my DMs? Weird morning. Anyway, uh, not in a weird way. You know what I'm saying. You've listened to me talk enough. Um, so, we talked about a lot of different things on this podcast, um, and uh, basically, just a bit of a disclaimer, I think this episode is going to look a lot different um, than many of our episodes. If you listen to me go on to Mic Check and do that crossover podcast, I think it's very similar in a lot of ways in that it's a lot about theater and a lot about uh, my my life outside of the podcast. Um, so if you stumbled on to this feed and you don't know a ton about me, um, I think this is a great episode. I talk a lot about myself, so I f uh, forgive me for talking about myself so much. It's also, yes, it is a Christian podcast. Uh, so, you know, if um, I would encourage anybody of all faith walks um, to listen to the podcast, but that's going to be a huge part of it. So if that's not your thing, no worries. Feel free to skip this episode. But if you're kind of curious about what my faith is about and uh, me talking to Emma about that, it's a great episode for that. Um, first of a couple disclaimers. <laughs> um, first of all, I talked a bit about Shia LaBeouf. Woof. What a week to talk about Shia LaBeouf. My gosh. We obviously recorded this before the FKA Twigs, um, announcement and, uh, Sia came out today. Um, so yeah, it's a tough, tough day for us, uh, Shia LaBeouf fans. Um, but forgive me for bringing up a hot button issue before I even knew it. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I also think I get a little self-conscious when I post episodes like this because I talk about myself a lot on this episode, so please be gracious to me. Uh, I think I give a lot of dumb answers that don't go anywhere. Um, hopefully some of them aren't completely dumb and you enjoy listening. Uh, I think sometimes it comes across as a lot of bragging, um, but that's my own insecurities. So, uh, I hope you enjoy this episode with me talking about myself. However, the, I think one of the really important conversations of this episode with Emma is at the 45 minute mark. So if you've maybe listened to the mic check crossover pod that I did with Darian and you kind of know a lot of the things I'm talking about, um, 
I think there's a lot of stuff at the beginning that we've never covered before as far as just some rapid fire questions. And then I would just skip ahead to the 45 minute mark. Um, Emma asks me some really good questions about uh, Christian art. And I think that conversation is really interesting. Um, so if you get tired of hearing me say things about myself that you already know, feel free to skip ahead to that part. I talk about a, a script where someone's doing cocaine off a stripper, and then I talk about a church in the next sentence. So it's it's invigorating stuff. Um, <laughs> but uh, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, and um, yeah, be on the lookout. We got 10 more episodes coming before Christmas. Whew. That is a lot. I don't know if I can do it, but uh, hopefully you'll listen to all of them. Subscribe if you haven't yet, and uh, let's get at it. Cue the narrow way music. Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike. Navigating topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. Thanks for joining. Hello, hello, Narrow Way to Broadway. Welcome to this episode of our show. This is Emma, and I am with my new pal, Jimmy Nicholas. Um, hey, Jimmy. Hello. hello. Yes. Emma, you're much more cordial to your guests than I will ever be cordial to my guests on my podcast. Emma gave me a lovely countdown. She gave me a three, two, one before we recorded. I just wait for guests to start talking about their most intimate things they don't want to share. And then I'm like, no, I started recording seven minutes ago. And oh I just got it all. I, I'm, I'm a pirate. I'm an audio pirate. You're, you're yes. much nicer. You're, no. you're so kind. No, well, you take we, care of your listeners, your guests. You're yes. We're trying. I mean, I... I remember the one of the first interviews I ever did, I like didn't set it up correctly with our guest. I told them I like couldn't remember the details of how to record because I was still so new at this. And so mm-hmm. I ended up having to be on the like actual phone with him for like 45 minutes while he's teaching his son how to like do math homework while I'm like, getting set up. So I'm I'm always like a little bit nervous at the beginning of an interview because I feel like there's the most potential for things to go wrong there. So appreciate yeah. you pointing that out. Um Great. So we're going to get started. I am going to do some rapid fire questions at the beginning. I've never done this before, but I just feel like it would be fun. Oh, I love it. Do I have a, so right. I, have, I just have to quick as quick as possible, just right out the gate. Yes. Which is funny. Cause I'm, I'm pretty, we're going to, we're going to call them rapid fire questions, but I think that in my person and who I am, I am like incapable of asking actual rapid fire. Cause I'm going to probably want to follow up and like unpack <laughs> every answer you have, ah, but yes. we're just going to, we're going to start with Fast. Okay, so we're going to do five favorites, five fill in the blanks, and then five what I titled as long-ish questions. Okay. Wow, this is great. Well, I've got I've got a glass of Diet Coke here at 8.37 in the morning. So oh, I'm ready. Yes. I'm oh, aspartamed up. I'm caffeine injected. Oh. I'm ready for these rapid fire I'm ready. long-ish questions. <laughs> okay. Okay, perfect. So favorite. So Sunday morning cartoon character. Oh my gosh. I this isn't I, I i missed the cartoon bandwagon see this is why i'm what? not good at rapid fire either i'm like rather to give you a dissertation on each one I'm, i was never a cartoon person um i think i was a little bit more of a disney channel kid uh, I, i'll i'll cop out and i'll just say robin williams as a as a cartoon human that's what okay I'm okay that's fine that's fine um okay F- favorite thing that parents say 
Oh, oh my gosh. Favorite thing that parents say. No. I love when parents no? tell their kids no. Yes. <laughs> okay, that's a good, simple, short and sweet. Um, okay, <laughs> favorite holiday tradition. Oh, oh, okay. You, you, wow, this is great. You watch How the Grinch Stole Christmas and you get somewhere between four to five wonderful people together and four to five people that love the Grinch, nobody who hates the Grinch. This is the Jim Carrey Grinch. And then you all proceed to yell the lines at each other as like to to compete for who knows the most lines and who can get the most out. And and you kind of got to give an award at the end for the person who really knew the movie the best. It's the most, like, because I'm at some point in my life, I'm ready to put on the one man show and do it all from memory. I'm very, very close. That's my favorite Christmas tradition or holiday tradition. Oh, that's good. That's togetherness right there. I love that. Okay. Or or anti-togetherness when you're fighting over who knows the most, you know, because then you, there's a lot of one-upmanship. You, you, you start Mm. off and it's like really cordial and you're like, oh, like, and then my like, you know, an hour in, you're like, no, I know more lines than you. And you're trying to get them out even before Jim Carrey. You know, I have weird friends. I'm going to tell you, Emma, and I'm a weird person. So (laughs) that's a great holiday tradition. Okay, that's a good one. Um, number four, musical soundtrack to sing in the car. Oh my gosh. Uh, musical soundtrack to sing in the car. Usually um, made up musical songs that I uh, just sing for whatever situation I'm in. I really hate this yellow light. I wish it was not red. Now I wish it could be green so I could go forward. And then you roll on the window and you're kind of like, hey, little in the car next to me. Don't you wish this light was green? Yeah, that's my favorite soundtrack. Am I going to be a star? Did you like my voice? I think so. I think that we need to send this off to some people who have nothing to write right now. I, you know, well, my my roommates are are musical theater writers, and uh, you know, oh. I, I I like to give them little like like kind of press my head against the shower door as they're in there yeah. and sing songs yeah. to them and hope that it ends up in the musicals. Yeah, that they. I hope they heard what just happened on this interview. So maybe they can. <laughs> Me I love too. it. Me too. So fun. Okay, last favorite favorite pasta shape. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, wow. Favorite pasta shape. What? Okay. I don't know what these are called. Um, uh-huh. They're like little scrunchy, bunchy noodles that are like, oh, they're not, they're, they're like so childish, but they're the most satisfying like mac and cheese type of pasta to eat. Is it like it's the spiral? A, it's, I, I, it's not, I don't think it's a spiral. It's like a little bunchy. It's got like a little like, uh. Gosh, I'm terrible at this. I'd probably be even worse if I was trying to draw it. But it's like this bunched up layers to it mac and cheese that's about a, a half inch. And it's really delicious. And it's because the cheese gets stuck in the layers. Oh, I don't know yeah. if that's technically a pasta, but that that's the answer. Okay, I like it. If if any of our listeners have the actual name for the scrunchy bunchy pasta, please <laughs> let us know. Um, <laughs> Then if it's DM, we'll figure we'll finish the bottom of this. Okay. Emma, I don't think um, I gave them enough description for them to yeah, I think I think they're cheating the in the dark button. on that one. Yeah, it's like what would you even Google there? I I don't know. I, I think you would just look at pictures and say that's the closest to the random words Jimmy was using. Totally, totally. Okay, amazing. Uh fill in the blank. Um I am most likely to dance around when I feel 
Oh, wow. Okay, I'm most likely to dance around <sighs> when I feel like I just got paid. Mm. That's when I'm most likely to dance around. I'm just like, you know, when that check yeah. hits, I'm ready to pay the credit card bill. It's not even for yeah. fun things anymore. It's it's that's for sad. really yeah, cool things. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, no, that's sure. very surface. But but uh, that, that is a, a good, I'm, I'm ready to dance around then. Uh, I'm also like, I'm ready to dance around when I, when I finish a to-do list. I love, I love finishing okay. a to-do list. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, I will never forget the moment when I blank. Hmm. I'll never forget the moment when I became a big brother. Oh, fun. Yay. Yes. Yes. Okay. I have way too many siblings. I have seven siblings. Emma, I don't <gasps> know if you knew that. Yes. Are you lots the oldest? To I'm the second oldest. Yes. So I'm, wow. I'm in the older echelon. That's yeah. The upper echelon. The yeah. height of the Okay. I love it. Um, okay. Three. I feel misunderstood when discussing blank. Wow. Okay. I feel, um, I feel misunderstood when discussing, uh, religion pretty often. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, we're going to do that in a little bit. Oh, great. Um, great, great, great. Or I think Christians sometimes do a bad job of blank. I think Christians sometimes do a bad job of uh, interacting to and relating to non-Christians. Okay. Number five, I will make it a priority in twenty one or 2021 to... Dance. To dance, dance, Emma, with lots of people in big crowded areas. Yeah, uh, that's good. I was going to ask if that means you're going to get paid more in 2020. <laughs> I got, I got, we got racks on racks on racks coming in in 2021. No, no, no. I, I, uh, no. <laughs> I'm thankful that I, I don't have to wish and hope and pray for for a, a better financial situation in 2021. But I, I will be uh, praying for uh, more people and more interactions in 2020, 2021. Nice. Okay, cool. Okay, these are the long-ish questions, which I think all the questions are just, this is just what it becomes. I don't know why I can't give a simple answer. Maybe the next time I'll do yes or no questions. I um, like it. We're just going through, we've served a charcuterie board of options yes. to the listeners. Yes. They don't even know what they're they putting in their mouth. They're like, is this scrunchy, bunchy? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, it's that pasta. Enjoy. Of course. They're probably, yes, yes. Okay. Anyways, long-ish questions. One, this actually goes back to the first question I asked about cartoons when you said you weren't a cartoon person. But yeah. number one, okay, what is a Disney or Nickelodeon TV show you would have wanted to be on, but now you're too old, and then back then you were too young? Oh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's definitely the you, the plight. You nailed it, of being too <laughs> young for a time and then being too old. Um mm-hmm. It would probably be like, you know, I mean, there were so many. I, I think, I think even Stevens is is definitely the one. Even though, like, even Stevens wasn't technically like my show. Like, I didn't like religiously watch that show. I just, I, I have a very spiritual connection to Shia LaBeouf. Uh, I, I, I love that man so much, and I, and, and. I feel very kindred spirits to him in a lot of ways, which I could do a I could legitimately do a four hour podcast going through Shia LaBeouf's career and why why I think he's a, a unicorn of a human being. Um, but from a young age, I was like, that dude's like 
Got it. And the show is literally similar to like a That's So Raven. It's It, it lives yes. on the fact that its star can, can do whatever he wants and we are intrigued. And I yeah. think it's interesting now we have a we have a show, we have a movie, Honey Boy, which came out last year, yeah. obviously, that kind of shows the fact that this kid just like had a show that was just a, about him being completely silly and America loved watching it. And, yeah. and um, so I, I wanted to be Shia LaBeouf's friend. So I'd say even Stevens. Okay. I, I, I could see that. Um, what about you? Okay. What about you, Emma? What's yeah. your what was yours? Oh, I, I feel like I'm, we gotta get you, we gotta get you in on these. What, what, I'm, I'm oh, curious. I'm so I'm so honored. Um, I think <laughs> that mine would probably have been probably that's O Raven. Yeah, I thought she was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Also, she got to wear the most fun like outfits and play the most fun characters because of like the shenanigans. Yeah. So probably similar to even Stevens, I just feel like Raven Simone got to just be bop around and just be silly for a living as a child not even a child as an adult (laughs) yeah i'm with you on that so raven yeah she's the best okay longish question what is a project that you wish you could go back and do again (sighs) oh wow that's a really great question emma um and i and i think the reason that that's a good question is because you know you talk about theater on this show obviously and and what theater is and and part of theater is dying a small death every time a show ends and what i mean by that and and i and i stole that i stole that from a wonderful co-star of mine uh, richard henry who i did four months of the musical with um as my co-lead and he he said that so beautifully one day in the in the the dressing room about how he kind of does like an Irish goodbye with most of his casts where he says goodbye and then he doesn't want to like do reunions mm. and like he he he's connected with us we, he has our phone numbers we we say hello occasionally but he doesn't like to go back and like reopen these old wounds because it when the show ends he dies a death like he lets it go and I think the best actors, you have so yeah. many contracts and that's yeah. not even, you know, throwing in film and TV where, you know, you show up on set and you give your heart to something for a week and then you never touch it right. again. Like you, you have to kind of let it go. You have to let it go and you have to grieve that it's over. So with a question like yeah. that, what I always feel like I'm doing is opening up old wounds and kind of seeing what's there. Now, of course, like obviously we chose to do this for a living, so it's not a wound in the fact that it's this pain that we look right. back on, but you know, it no ending of a show is ever going to be sweet. It's always going to be bittersweet or, or it's just a, a terrible experience right. that you're ready to be over with. And then right. it's probably bitter anyway. But you know, I, I, I don't know if I'd have one that I'd want to redo. Yeah. I think we all feel, and, and I personally feel this even just the other day in a voice lesson, I was singing a song and my voice teacher was like, Jimmy, that is like, the best sound you've ever made. And that was so, so incredible. And, you know, then you, you realize you're getting better at something and you're like, Oh, I wish I could go apply those skills to all of my old contracts. But I also know that like, I'm proud of the work that I did on those contracts. You know, I'm proud of my Monty in gentleman's guide. I'm proud of my Danny in Greece. I'm proud of, you know, the the new musicals that I've done and how I represented myself there. And, um, and all those people I've worked with again. So I clearly did a fine job. So right. I don't know if it would be wanting to go do them better or, or redo them. I, I kind of like to let them lie. And, you know, I feel like a, 
a movie director who's like, I don't watch my old movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, you know, like a, I think it's, I think it's um, Paul Thomas Anderson yeah. who likes to just, he, he likes to just leave his movies as they are. And uh, because he knows he would go back and meticulously want to redo the whole thing if he were to watch it. Right. All right. That's a, that's a, that's a fine answer. I, I appreciate that answer. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Number- you. What about you? <laughs> uh, you didn't think okay. I was going to go down into the mud and not bring you in with me. I, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. So here we are in the mud. So I was, I guess like mostly it's just because I know I could like do it better, but my, mm-hmm. my senior year of high school, my, what I think of to be my peak of my career. Um, yes. when I was in, yeah. In Charlotte, I was in a community theater production of Footloose and I played Heck Ariel. Yes. It was the most fun. It was just the most fun I've like ever had working on a show because it just was, this cast was so fun and incredible and the direction was amazing yes. and it was just a good time. And the, the book is horrific and the music is like also not great, but it was just fun and so I think I would want to go back and do that because I think now I could just simply do the role better. So I kind of, that would be my answer. That's always something that comes to mind because it was fun and because I, I would be better now. I know what you're thinking, Emma. Cue the karaoke track. It's you okay. Can't. I've played Ren. Here we go. Are you ready? <laughs> Almost, Almost paradise. paradise. Let's go. I'll count it in. <laughs> oh, God. Jimmy, you don't even know. My mother would have a conniption. My mother's like most profound wish is that the guy who played Ren and I, his name's Justin, that we sing Mm -hmm. Almost Paradise to her, like for her birthday. So do it. Yeah. You don't even know how happy that would make her, but we can't, we can't open old wounds. (laughs) Um, Okay. Number four, number five. Oh, no, no, no. Number four. Okay. What is a piece of advice or something that someone said to you about your career or your faith that you choose to ignore? Okay. Whoa. Okay. Great. (laughs) Is that the, or is it, oh, I thought it was a two-hander. No, no, well, um, Oh, that's perfect. Actually, I, I skipped the other question that was like, what's a good piece of advice? Which I guess you can answer if you want to, but I feel like the other question is more interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, much more interesting. Also, I, I, I love your, <laughs> your response to that last question is much more, uh, much more uplifting and hopeful and less <laughs> cynical than mine. Um, and, and I do think there is a wonderful, uh, yes. Like when you think about, especially going back to like, there's so many productions that I want to like feel what I felt during that production, you know, yeah, um, like yeah. go back and, and do that, especially in high school and in college uh, and, and be with those people. And I think about that all the time. I think I was mainly thinking of it as like the, as the constant goal setter in me of like, what, what performance would I go back oh, and improve upon? Yeah. But, but, you know, I, I totally get that. And uh, literally, you know, I, I really, my number one, um, addiction i would say is nostalgia i'm i'm oh, I'm, yeah. I'm just so nostalgic mm-hmm. uh so so you know there's you could name a hundred productions including my senior year footloose <gasps> uh which i did the summer before i was going to college which was really special too because uh the, the group of friends um that from that summer are, are still my people to this day are, are yeah. our closest people we actually i mean besides all of us being you know best men and, and yeah. maid of honors in each other's wedding uh weddings i should say mm-hmm. uh we have a group of people that we did high school theater with together that is like our family we call ourselves a family um and like we even spend a whole week together over the summer we call it best week ever um wow. where we all stay in a house together for seven days over fourth of july we've done that every year for the last 10 years wow. um so so you know i i'm with you on that group of people yeah. i i 
you know, and all of us and a lot of us went into theater after that. Yeah. And so it's a very special group. So I'm with yeah. you. Uh, a piece of advice, um, a piece of advice that I choose to ignore. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, well, the, the, so, um, <laughs> I, I assume I assume we have a PG rating on this on this podcast, right, uh, Emma? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess, yeah, I guess PG. <laughs> so uh, the the better way to say this without using uh, certain choice words is I my agent once told me that like you only have a finite amount of energy, or you only have so many blanks that you can give, um, and. Uh, and that's actually a book. Like there's a book about that. There's a book literally about how many <laughs> blanks you have to give in your life. Um, and she was trying to make a point about the fact that I have too many interests and I have too much that I commit my time to. Um, and she wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. I am a very, I mean, I, we could do a whole podcast on what I do. I mean, I have my podcast, I run uh, Spartan races, um, I compete globally for these um, obstacle course races, which we could talk about, which is long distance running. Um, I'm a personal trainer. I teach at SoulCycle. I teach at Barry's. I'm a writer. Uh, I, I, I am also a devout card player. Uh, there's a lot that I do. Uh, and I and I consistently, you know, I do lots. And so my, um, she was trying to say that I needed to do less and focus on acting 100% of the time, and that that would help me more uh, be more successful. And that is a piece of advice that I uh, actively fight against um, because because I, I don't like to limit my curiosity and limit the things that I want to do. And I also am a firm believer, you know, that when I empty my cup out, there's someone who's going to fill it up again. And I'm going to give what I have to give. And I, and I believe in self-love and all of those things. But, you know, when it comes to my profession, I like to pour out all that I have and then, you know, fill it up again when I can and then pour it right out again. I don't like to wait around with a full cup. And, and, and then specifically, probably even more so, what gets me in more trouble is that I really am the person who will always pour out my cup to my, my people, my friends and my family. And, you know, right now I am in Florida getting ready to drive my sister home 22 hours because my sister needed a ride. And I was like, hey, I'll fly to Florida and I'll drive you home because, you know, did I have the time? No, but my family needed me to do that. And I will do that. You know, I'm the person who six hours before a surprise birthday party, someone's like, hey, we're doing this thing. Can you fly to, to this place? I'm like, I'm headed to the airport right now. I'm, I make it happen. And, and, and I actively feel that voice in my head being like, you're going to run out of gas. You don't have enough energy to give. You're spread too thin. You'll always be a kind of master of none because you do so much. And you'll never be a, a, a specific master of one thing because of how much you spread yourself thin. Yeah. But that's a piece of advice I'm happy to work against because I live a happy life and, I, and I'm proud of what I do. So that was a super long answer and very convoluted, but that is my yeah. answer to that. <laughs> no, I like that. That's good. That's good. I like it. Yes. Okay. Last question for the long-ish answer. So I, I, so, okay. So our listeners now know that you have a podcast called 
everything but the kitchen sink. Anything. <laughs> it's all good. Sink. I was it's called everything but the kitchen sink. So I don't know why I don't know what it's um, called. It's everything the, the but biggest the podcast in the world. It's bigger than Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah, bigger than everything. Mark Maron, Bill Simmons. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a huge deal. Yeah, and I was listening to it yesterday, and I know you. Okay, you talk a lot about movies. You talk a lot about sports. So yes. I was listening to the episode where you and Casey Cott were talking about sports. Yes. And I thought, oh, I know who Casey Cott is. I watched Riverdale. So I'm going to listen to this episode. And genuinely, I know I know so little about sports that you guys could have been speaking Chinese and I would have probably understood just as much. So yeah. my fifth question is, if I'm a theater geek and our listeners are mostly theater geeks and they want to oh, yeah. create the illusion that they know something about sports, what is, what is a topic that they could bring up in conversation, going home for Thanksgiving, going home for Christmas. And they're like, oh yes. yeah, I want to engage in conversation with my uncle or like whatever. You know what? What a wonderful question. 25 minutes into this <laughs> podcast episode. And you know what, people, America, now we're going to give you some tools. We're going to give you some tools. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'll tell you the number one thing not to do. The number one not to thing not, not to do, do not be that theater person that thinks it's funny to just be like sports, 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 sports. Like say that, like, like we're all going to be like, oh, that's so funny. Also because in yeah. theater, there are so many people who care about sports and yeah. most people, <laughs> you know, as you work professionally, if you're, if you're listening to this and an aspiring theater person, you will find that the number one thing people do not want to talk about when they're working on theater is theater. They don't want to talk about yeah. it. They <laughs> literally, they do not. And especially if you're over the age of 40, you have zero desire to talk about theater. That's like, cause it's like, it's like, I was about to use a very graphic example, but it's like, you know, a pasta chef. He doesn't want to talk about pasta. He makes pasta all day. Yeah. He makes pasta. He, right. he When you're making yeah. the pasta, if you want to, maybe occasionally like as a reference for something that you're doing, like I had this gnocchi once, maybe he wants to talk about it. But other than that, he wants to talk about anything else. So don't be that person that thinks it's crazy to have other interests. We are, everybody is so much more interested in your other interests in an audition room, in a, right. in a production. It doesn't have to be sports. It can be pottery. Yeah. It can be it can be HGTV, like it doesn't matter. Um, but uh, the thing about sports is to find your corner and stick to that corner. So mm -hmm. it's okay if someone's talking about baseball. It's okay to be like, ah, you know what? I'm I'm a one sport fan. I stick to blank. Mm -hmm. You want to have it, it, like you want to keep it. If you actually want to sound very up to date. You find one sport, you find one team, and you corner the market on that team, and that's it. And people and, – and, and even sports fanatics will get that. Like if you don't know anything about football, all you have to say is literally be like, you know what? Like ever since the whole concussion, CTE thing, Colin Kaepernick not having a job, it's not really the sport for me. Most sport fans – you're going to get into a bigger discussion probably about racial injustice after that. But most sports fans would be like, totally, I get that. Because those were big things that the NFL has lost a bunch of fans in. And if you were like, I can't watch because, um, I mean, do you know the concussion CTE situation in football, Emma? Um, I know that Will Smith kind of is connected to a movie about it. <laughs> yes, yes. Basically, head trauma in the sport has been was was hidden for a long time. And, and there was people in the NFL actively trying to hide information that was saying that in their 50s and 60s, men who played in the NFL were having massive, massive tra brain traumatic 
dementia, uh, Alzheimer's, yeah. terrible, yeah. terrible thing because of repeated concussions. Right. And many people, because of the NFL's handling of this, have said they're never going to watch football ever again. Mm. Understandably so. Right. The wonderful thing now is the NFL is much more transparent about it. Right. They're much more, they're much better at catching concussions. But a lot of people are out of the sport on that. Obviously, Colin Kaepernick, first person to knee in the NFL, still does not have a job and should have a job. It's it's erroneous that he doesn't. They've blacklisted him. That's another reason people don't watch. You say those two things. Also, probably at Thanksgiving, you say those two th things like your weird uncle is actually not going to want to talk about it because those aren't fun things to talk about. So that's a great stonewall for the NFL. But you find your sport, let's say basketball. You say, I love basketball. I love the Chicago Bulls. And you say, like, I grew up absolutely worshiping Michael Jordan. That's all you have to say. And they're just like, okay, great. Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan, you're a Bulls fan. Great. Literally, just find a team and just make sure you know, like, the best player on that team and say you love watching them play. That's all you have to say. Okay. That's so, <laughs> that's it. so tangible. I, I can do that. I can make that yes. happen. I appreciate that. Yeah. And if you really, yeah. And if you really want to do it, for Americans specifically, say that you love like tennis or rugby or cricket, say something very non-American or that you love like Premier League soccer because most, especially like, let's be real, it's probably like men above the age of 40 that you're having to engage with in these conversations. Most of them in America have no idea about those sports. So once you say that, you've kind of flipped it on them and they're the pantsless one in the situation. And you get to then be like, yeah, you know, I love, uh, I love Chelsea Premier League soccer. And they don't know that. So they're like, cool. And then they want to end the conversation. So you kind of win. That's the old one too. You heard it here, folks. The old Jimmy Nicholas, old one, two. These are the things to address when you're with your family at Christmas for the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why theater people really hate me because I could go on for hours and hours about sports and they're like, we get it. But like, did you yeah. see To Kill a Mockingbird? And I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> but did you see that Korean baseball game on last night? Yeah. Did you catch the KBO? Because uh, those games are competitive. Okay, well, now we're going to talk about theater. <laughs> okay, great. Let's do it. I do love theater <laughs> as much as I've been crapping on it. Yeah. The jack of all trades. Um, okay, so 2017, you are in Book of Mormon, Elder Price, Standby, Slash Replacement. Yes. So I have so many questions Hit me. about, okay, I've never seen the show actually. And that wasn't even like a conscious choice. I, I know the show is like kind of polarizing and it's pretty like controversial just among like circles of faith. So I'm yeah. sure our listeners, some of them probably love it, some of them probably are like, I, I can't even touch it. So I just want to know like, what, what is that experience like being, you know, a person of faith doing the show about like about faith but it's like so like satirical and it's like a parody and it like makes fun of it but then people like draw different lines on like what what is okay and what can be funny so i'm just kind of like oh my goodness yeah. what does that look like well <clears throat> you know it's interesting um the, first of all i knew from the second that I, from, from, from day two of having booked that show, day one of booking that show, I, I was, it was one of the best days of my life. Um, you know, you kind of realize this childhood dream of being able to say, I'm going to go to Broadway. I'm going to be on Broadway. Um, <clears throat> and that's a wonderful, like a wonderful moment for 
you, but especially for like your parents and people who like, when you told them that you were going to do this, uh, like just had to kind of take a huge leap of faith and to see that they were right to have faith in you to do this. And, you know, granted going to Broadway is one small step of a lifelong career, you know, it's a big day. So, so I, I didn't let anything get in the way of my joy that day and my gratitude of all the people in my life who had helped me get there. Uh, but day two, I remember being like, man, this is going to have baggage. I mean, I'm, I'm the son of a pastor. Okay. I grew up in a reformed evangelical church. Uh, and you know, like, I am gonna, you know, it's hard to, hard to talk about Book of Mormon without, without using certain words, but, uh, I'm going to have to say F you God on stage every night, multiple times. I'm going to have to do some things that many people would deem blasphemous. Um, I'm going to have to be in a show, you know, I, I work with kids. I, I work with, um, this company CYT specifically CYT Chicago. Um, and I run their overnight camps. Um, we do three weeks over the summer with 150 kids, um, at each camp and we put on a musical in five days and it's this overnight camp. And, um, I've been doing it for the last 10 years since I was 19. And, uh, um, it's, it's the most special thing to me running those camps. It's, um, it's, I do it basically for free when you add up all my flights back and forth. Um, it's an exhausting three weeks. It's, you know, by the time you have 400, 500 kids putting on a musical and, you know, um, in each separate week and it's a really exhausting thing. But when you, when you do that every year and, and, you know, I, I teach as well, like I teach from the word multiple nights a week at those camps. And like, when you have that responsibility and then you're like, okay, I'm going to be in a show that's very blasphemous that most of their parents would probably not want to send their kids to my camp anymore if they knew what I was a part of. Um, that's a kind of a lot of baggage. Uh, and, and you feel a responsibility. I think that I've always had a pretty good sense of what I was and wasn't comfortable doing on stage. So Book of Mormon really qualified as something I was comfortable because it it fit into the guidelines that I'd already established for myself. And anytime you're an actor, and this goes for Christian and non-Christian performers, you have to say to yourself, why am I doing this and what do I hope to convey? And and then and then in that, what you hope to convey, finding out what you're willing to do is pretty easy once you know like what you're trying to convey. So I knew that. I always wanted to be telling a story that I believe was going to serve some use for the person listening. I believe that I have a BFA in storytelling. That's what I do. And I always want to tell stories that I think leave the viewer with something important. I do a lot of comedies. So I also just believe in the fact that like we all need to laugh together. We need to experience shared joy together to have hope, to remember what that feeling is. So most things that I do just qualify in the sense that I'm like, this is going to spread joy. Then I'm willing to play this character and do this thing because it's going to spread joy. Specifically with the Book of Mormon, I think if I felt like it was just this raucous comedy, I probably wouldn't have done it, to be honest with you, because there were so many things in my head that I probably wouldn't have been super comfortable with. But specifically, I believe that Book of Mormon is most potent for people of organized religion because Book of Mormon consistently asks, and obviously if you ever see the show, you can put this thought to the test, but it specifically asks, what's the point of organized religion? Is the point to be right? 
and say, we are right, we are the correct faith, we have the correct God, or is the point to change lives? And Book of Mormon says the point is to change lives and to make people's lives better. That's the point of religion. And whether you could say that's too simple, yes, but only if it's with Jesus or in the Mormon faith, yes, but only if it's through this Mormon lens. And that's what the organized religion says in that show. They say no to that. They say it's not about that. It's about being right. And the leads of that show are much more focused on, no, we we have to do good in this world, that we, we have to do good. And they say by any means necessary. And the whole show just asks the audience that question. And it asks it in a very sweet, in a very simple, heartwarming, hilarious way. That's a story that I want to tell. And, you know, earlier in this, yeah, <clears throat> and earlier in this same podcast, you know, you asked me um, things, I don't even remember what the question was, but I specifically said that I don't like how Christians interact with non-Christians. And, and I think like there's this air in most Christians that, will always hurt them as they try to relate to people who have a different worldview from them. Not, not all, I don't want to generalize my brothers and sisters like that, but you know, that we know something that you don't, thus we're better than you. And thus we're right. And you're wrong versus, Hey, it's my job as a Christian to, 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 to help change your life for the better because I have a light to share. And maybe that's not going to be by indoctrinating you with my belief, but I know that I have a gift. That's all I know. And I want to do, like I said, I want to pour out my cup. I want to do everything I can so that you can experience more joy. You can experience more light. You can have a better existence on this earth. And then hopefully in that interaction, you go, hey, what? Why, why are you so different, right? All that, that classic Christian line. And you're able to say, well, it's because this is my worldview. I, you know, it's not about me. You know, I'm a small, small piece of the puzzle and, and I'm trying to live my life like Jesus did, you know, but most of the time they're not going to ask that. And it's just about doing that good, doing that right. And, and Mormons to lead specifically Elder Cunningham, he just does, he just wants to help. And that is a story that every single night I I loved watching on stage. I loved, uh, and, 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 and I saw hearts change in that theater as crazy as that sounds. And, um, and anytime I had that conversation with, um, students and parents and teachers within Christian organizations and my own parents, um, they just really understood. Most of them were probably like, I would never do that show. I'm not going to say Hasadiga Ibuai. I'm not going to say that on stage. Um, but, they, they, they understood. And that's all I could ask for. Yeah. 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 I, I noticed that. I mean, when I saw that you were in that show, I was like, huh, I bet that was like, you know, whether or not like good or bad, or like there was like a presence of so much conviction there was there, there was just like a presence of like constantly being affirmed in it. I was like, this is going to be an interesting conversation just because the show itself, I feel like is so it's just pretty polarizing amongst like Christian communities. So I was excited to ask you about that, but that's really fun. Cause I, I feel like there's this thing of like, um, like, I don't know, like me, like Christian meme culture, like Christian, like parody culture where it's, I feel like I sit around and like, think about, and I like make fun of Christian culture a lot. I'm like, Oh, LOL. Like when, when I went to camp or like, ha ha ha, like the things sure. that are like me about Christian culture. But then it's like, gosh, like, where's this balance of like engaging in, you know, like, I'm trying to think like, 
making something satirical that really is like a huge part of your life. And, and, and in some ways it is like serious. So it's like, what is the balance there? Um, and mm. I feel like that, that, I don't know. I feel like that show probably does. I mean, that show does ask that question, like you said, in a, in a, like a lens that is one through humor. Yeah. Well, and Trey Parker and Matt Stone, you know, the writers of South Park and the writers of Mormon, they're just, they're, at, they're two of the best writers we have on this planet. And what, they're the best at is getting getting to the the root of something in a, a subversive way. And I've watched all of South Park. I mean, that show a hundred years from now, people will teach that show. They the the things that they're able to parody on the 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 uh, uh, the hip the hypocrisies they're able to expose through comedy through very specific comedy is is unbelievable. And and it's no different with Book of Mormon and and. You know, I think that specifically within the church, because I'm I'm with you. You know, you're like, what what's what are we able to make fun of? Because it is this serious thing, and 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 I think specifically, like I I don't care about any of the trivial stuff. Like like you know, I love I love meme culture of and and TikToks making fun of like pastor speak and making fun of like the tatted you know modern pastors and then also like how just just so many different things whether it's camp or whatever i'm so for that uh because it's it's you know in jest and in fun it's when people start taking like real shots at the church that i'm always like i want to see this done well because it's an easy thing to take a shot at so you know if if in the case of mormon like they're gonna go at and kind of go at organized religion i i want to see the why behind that and how you handle it i've said no to two or three different new musicals that really hate on the church because i just didn't think um i didn't think the i i thought it was uh really heavy handed. And I, and I didn't think it served a purpose of a story that I wanted to tell. And I've said no to those shows before I said no to this new musical about this hair where I would play this heroin addict who had been abused by a priest. And, and I thought it was just really, really like, I was like, there's a way to do this well, and this isn't it. And I'm going to say no to it. And I want to tell that story, you know, (laughs) I want to, um, it's interesting though, because I feel like most kids, when they talk to me, you know, I, I get the question all the time about like, you know, what are, what, what are you okay? Are you okay? Like swearing on stage, which I'm also like, you know, I'm such a, I swear like a sailor in real life. So I'm like, F yeah, I am, you know, just <laughs> um, to the 10 year old. Uh, but um, the, the big one I get to is like, you know, like obviously because so many young Christian kids are like, well, you know, if you're doing this, do you feel like it's not a sin because you're in this character or whatever? But the, the funny thing is I have way bigger questions about what is the story that we're telling, trying to tell and why than anything that I do. Cause I consider myself such a puppet, you know, like nudity, my, my friend, uh, my friend, John Jorgensen, um, Adam on the podcast. Yeah. Hey, Oh, he's my, I mean like, you know, he's my best friend. I was his best man at his wedding. Yeah. Um, his wife is my other best friend from before their relationship. Yeah. Uh, he's he's you know even before when he was in mamma mia and when we went to the same college together we both went to carnegie we knew each other before that but um you know he just had such good lines like he was just like yeah i'm not going to get naked like on stage i'm not going to do this i'm not going to do that and he just always held to them really well and i was always like john i have none of those lines because like i've gotten naked on stage before like i really don't care like i'm just like i I don't think god judges me for that you know but when it comes to the story that's when i'm like all right let's let's dig in let's dig in what are we saying here and i think (laughs) that i feel like in 
And I, I'm excited to talk to you about a little bit about movies too, because I know in your podcast, you talk a lot about movies and the ultimate 21 centuries movie bracket that you guys do. And the, like you evaluate movies like a sports bracket. And I feel yeah. like there's this like thing that happens with the way I feel like Christians are represented in whether in pop culture or in TV shows or in whatever, it's like either it's like never just a good thing. It's always like, not like this is not me, like the victim mentality, but I always think of like, it's just the like most shallow stereotypes of, of people a lot of the time. I feel like when we're, when we're not attacking like conceptually the church, it's like if there is a person in a show or a movie, who's a Christian, it's either they're like a really annoying person in like a quote unquote secular show, or we're seeing like a quote unquote Christian movie that's produced by like a Christian company. Yeah, and It's yeah. like kind of, they're always like just sort of cringy. And I, I had a, a, a teacher in high school. I took a film class. His name was Chad fair. He said, if you're going to say something is bad, you need to know why it's bad and you need to be able to articulate that. And so I wanted to talk to you because you're like a movie guy and you've, I know you've worked mm-hmm. on like film and stuff like mm-hmm. what, what is it about these Christian movies or why are these stories of a God that we believe in like and we believe that he's the power to enact change in like life transforming Mm -hmm. ways why are these stories and why are these movies bad well because they're not made in order to tell the best story possible they're made to make money you know they're made they're made to target a base they're made because We want two-thirds of Joel Olstein's church. We want two-thirds of Willow Creek. We want two-thirds of that of uh, of pick your mega church. We want two-thirds of them to go and see it. And in order to appeal to that base, it's gotta be a hopeful story. It's gotta be extremely over the top. It's gotta hit a lot of certain nails on the head. And then you're going to hit your bottom line. You're going to make $50 million minimum. You can make the movie for 12 and then the studio walks away with at least $15 million profit. It's such an easy, easy money. It's easy money. It's just easy money. And it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be correct. But think about any any, any community, you know, and, and I don't want to say marginalized because Christianity likes to think that they're in the minority and that they're under attack at all times, which is not true. And so I don't like to give them the satisfaction of because because uh, <laughs> I, I always joke that like my dad and his congregation consistently walk into church like everybody is coming for them at all times. And I'm like, honestly, they're not <laughs> like they're not. They don't they don't agree with you, but they're not coming for you like they're, you're, you know, <laughs> um, but I do think that, you know, so many, uh, you know, whether it's your your ethnicity or you, where you're from, how many times do we watch a movie and we hear someone say, you know, who's from India, like, I'm sick and tired of like, always the Indian person that I'm seeing in a movie, like, being the guy behind the counter at a 7-Eleven, like, I'm sick and tired of this, like, we we ask, we ask for true uh, honesty and storytelling and things like that, but it's hard. And, and specifically, who tells the story, like, a lot of times, these writers of these movies, you know, my buddy, John Michael Finley, who is, um, was my elder Cunningham. He was the, uh, he was the lead of the faith movie. I can only imagine. I think it was called. Yeah. So he's the main guy in that he's, his dad's a Baptist, but he's an atheist, you know, 
I love him to death. And, and I talked, I mean, I, I shared a dressing room with him, like, but he was like, yeah, I did that movie, me and Dennis Quaid. And like, we were like, this is crazy. We're in this like faith movie, you know? And like so many of the people who are on set there, aside from, I believe the directors of that movie, but he was like, so many of them, you know, not, not Christians. We're just making this movie for this Christian base. And they know the story that they're trying to tell and who they're trying to tell it for. Now he did talk, which this was awesome. He did talk about the Christians on set and how like they were just the kindest best people and he was like i'm so proud that i got to see them um and and kind of see that light that that they had and, and understood that they you know they they walk the walk and talk the talk and that was awesome but you know so many of the people working on those movies aren't necessarily you know uh christians you know sometimes the people producing them are but even the people producing them like again they're doing it to make money they can say they're doing it for any other reason and have a secondary reason but they're doing it to make money yeah um, what do you think like is there like as believers I know like we're a lot of it's interesting because I feel like when we ask about engaging with content with our guests it's everybody is saying like what is the story and like what what not even like how are Christians being painted or how how is my character being painted is this what I want to do or not do on stage I feel like people are saying what is the story and what what is like Mm -hmm the redemption here or what is not the redemption like where's the lack of redemption and that's how they base like engaging in certain work but like what do you feel like is the responsibility of you know the believer the actor who's like doing or the or the writer or the producer or the director of like the if all of the good christian like artists are engaging in content that has nothing to do with christianity like do you think that there's something that we're missing there? This is literally my question. I actually don't have an answer myself, but that's kind of what, <laughs> dang, if if all Christian art is like, not all generalization, but if Christian art is typically bad because it's like not even produced by people who actually believe in what the story is saying, do you think that mm-hmm. there is a responsibility for Christians to engage in that content? Mm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this is like, and this now we're getting into some deep stuff. I don't, I don't believe that modern Christianity encourages true artistry. They don't, they don't like artists. Artists mm-hmm. are messy. Artists push mm-hmm. boundaries. Artists mm-hmm. poke you. Artists prod you. Artists, you know, yeah. we, we don't want those type of Christian movies. We want neat, clean box movies. So, you know, yeah, it's interesting when I talk to like young Christians, like, about being an artist or anything like that. Like they have to be prepared to, to get messy and make art that many of their Christian mm-hmm. friends might be like, what? Like you have to be willing to do the book of Mormon, not that they have to do that, but you have to be willing to, to get messy and, and make stuff that's going to challenge Christians. You know, I'm uh, and I think that's the responsibility. I think that's the responsibility. I think that, I think that Christians a lot of times get stuck into comfortability. You know, we like, we like being comfortable. We like being comfortable and being like, mm-hmm. again, come back to like, we're right. Everybody else is wrong. Uh, you know, we, we, so we're going to sit in this corner, this evangelical corner or whatever corner you want to sit in. And, um, and we're going to kind of like operate from like the fact that our worldview is better and we're going to operate from this kind of holier than thou situation. And, you know, like, like for example, I'm a Christian artist. So any art that I make is Christian. It can be about, it can be about a drug user from, uh, Boston who commits suicide. And if I make it, 
and I say I worship Jesus, it's Christian art. <laughs> like, hate to break it to you, you know, to anybody who, who wants to say, you know, it's what it's Christian art. It is. Does it represent the Christian faith? Maybe not. Maybe it's about something totally different. But we don't we don't see it that way, you know. And and you know because it's not overt in its uh, sentiment, and because it's not labeled as a faith movie. So my my answer, my long winded answer to that is, the challenge for Christian artists is to make art, and then when you talk about it, talk about your faith in general, bring that into the fold. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. to, to say I'm not ashamed to talk about the fact that like I'm never ashamed to talk about my faith on set. I'm never ashamed to talk about my faith in a rehearsal room, you know. And it's it's not the driving force when I'm doing you know <laughs> some some farce comedy, you know. But uh, again, right. because I believe all things come back to Jesus, all things, good, bad, ugly, all things come back to Jesus. So if I believe that then all things that I do are going to be a reflection of him in some way, which is a responsibility as well, a scary responsibility because you're like, well, okay, my actions have consequences. My actions, you know, I'm responsible for them, you know, but I, I, I would encourage Christian artists to make the art that's pertinent to them and then, you know, not be afraid to talk about their faith. I think that's, that's really important. I always... I love Chris yeah. Pratt. I'm a big Chris Pratt guy. And I think he takes a lot of heat because I think he's probably a little bit more conservative than many in Hollywood would like. Um, you're probably more than I would like. I'm a pretty progressive dying heart liberal liberal. And, um, but one of the things that I love about him is that like he does any movie and he's not afraid to talk about his faith. Like he's just not. And like, mm -hmm. is him doing guardians of the galaxy, some yeah. sort of massive faith declaration? No, but him talking about his faith at any point in, you know, and talking about how he loves connecting with people and spreading joy and all of those things that matters. And I would consider Guardians of the Galaxy right. a faith movie because I know that the lead worships Jesus, period. Like, you know, yeah. I could consider, right. you know, do I think that it has any massive hopes and dreams in its story of how it's going to tell like about intergalactic, you know, fun times? No, but I would put right. that in a faith movie, I, you know. So I personally yeah. like and, 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 you know, right now on my laptop, I'm working on a screenplay um, about a kid who uh that i would consider a faith movie um about this kid whose mom dies and uh he goes off to college like really struggling with grief grief his dad is a his dad is a pastor <laughs> of course we write from what we know so i wrote a kid who whose dad is a pastor um but he uh he goes to college and through a crazy circumstance circumstance of events uh becomes the owner of a strip club and a pimp and starts running a prostitution mm -hmm. ring and it's this comedy about this kid who finds himself in these crazy situations and and then he continues to not only be dealing with that but be dealing with grief and be dealing with the fact that he no longer really believes in his faith um i would consider that a faith movie is it going to be rated r is it going to have scenes where the lead's doing cocaine off of a stripper yeah it is like but it's struggling with faith the whole time and this kid who and it's, you know, essentially a movie that when you boil it down to it is just a kid struggling with his faith the way that every kid struggles with their faith when they leave home and have to decide whether it's something that they actually want to believe in or something that their parents hoped that they could instill to them and just didn't. Um, 
So, you know, I, I love putting characters in crazy situations. Do I think that if I walked into Joel Olstein's church with a trailer for this movie and was like, hey, I'd love for two thirds of you to come to see it. Do I think that they would want to? No. <laughs> do I think they would want to take their 16 year olds to it, even though it's probably what their 16 year olds should see? No. But I know that the 10% maybe that do see it will feel like, wow, that's that's something that says something actually about right. faith, <laughs> about how, you know, right. so that was like a 35 minute answer. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this is like a conversation that we like continue to aim to have on the podcast just because we didn't want, we wanted just like varying perspectives about like what it means to engage in art as Christians and then what it like what the responsibility is to Christian art and like what like where's the disparity I think a lot of the times the disparity exists too just between these like what we see as like the artist community and the Christian community are like in in opposition to one another and like that it isn't something that can be married so that no that was a great answer we really appreciate it okay cool okay wrapping up I wanted to ask this is so we're recording this on a Sunday. When we air this, um, we will be just starting the Advent season. So, like the season of anticipation. Obviously, wow, okay. like we see it as birth. Yeah. Um, but what does I feel like right now, like not even connected to Advent in the traditional sense, but a lot of people have been in this season of Advent and anticipation and in waiting because of the coronavirus. I think a lot of people feel like mm -hmm. they were all that like really on the brink of something great in their career or um, like opportunity was going to come their way. And they were kind of like stuck in the wait, like stuck in the waiting room or like stuck in anticipation for what they believe to be like coming their way. So I kind of wanted to know what does this season look like for you, you know, as somebody who is interested in a lot of things, but specifically just in your, in your acting career, like what does this look like for you um, in terms of waiting I think that like one of the few times that I really wish that everyone had the faith that I had is, is um, not, not like, not like my faith is so great, but I just mean, believe and follow Jesus, follow, you know, follow the word of Christ. Um, the reason that I, I wish that on them so much is specifically for, not that I don't wish this for everyone, but when I'm talking to my, my, my people, my friends who are actors who are non-Christians, I don't, I don't understand how you could do this profession without having a faith. And, and, you know, I have, I have friends who are Muslim, who are Jewish, who they lean on their own faiths as well, which I think is wonderful for this profession. But I guess people who don't really have a faith in general, I often go like, I don't understand how you could do this business because so much of this business is you just have to have faith that there is a plan, that there is a path that has been preset for you that is, is being preserved for you and, and, and lean on that. And, and my Christians, there's so many Christians who are in this field, um, whether it be film and TV or theater, uh, who, who, who we often talk about that and, you know, that they really have to lean on prayer and faith and peace and understanding that like they are not in control. They can control what they can control and they have to let go of the rest. And, uh, I don't understand how you would go through this business without a faith. And I specifically don't understand um, how you could go through this current season. And obviously like if I had like, you know, my really good friend Brian on, you know, he would, he would talk about it. He's a non-Christian. He probably would talk about how he does it and how he copes would probably be what he would talk about. So how, how I cope with the season is, is lots of prayer and 
continuing to make sure that my priorities are straight. You know, I think that sometimes we make our profession, our God and our idol. And this has been a good year to remind ourselves that that's not what it is. It is a way to make money, period. It is a paycheck. And, um, and that's good to remember. And so I've been happy that 2020 has brought that reminder and, and reminded us what's important, yeah. friends, family, faith, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. doing all we can with the time that we are given that has nothing to do with our own success. And also, this is a business that continually is all about self, 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 me, 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 me. And anytime we can take a reset and be like, hey, like, there's not going to be any acting work for you right now. So stop with this whole like, I'm so great. Let me put myself on up on a pedestal. No one's going to be clapping for you in 2020. I, I finished Greece. We canceled with three shows left because of the pandemic and, and nobody's been applauding me since, you know, like that's, so if that's something that I was getting joy from or something that was, I was getting a high from, or, right. you know, was what I needed, guess what? It's not happening. Um, so that's been a great reset in general too. And, um, so I've been leaning into the positives to take from it. I'm lucky enough that again, you know, I've had my agents and my manager have gotten me tons of auditions for film and TV the last three months. That that industry is booming again, uh, tentatively until you know we'll see if everything locks down again, just because of how bad cases are currently. Um, but um, so I've been thankful for that. Um, but I, I think you know, it's, it's just, it's just another good reminder to lean on our faith and, um, yeah. lean on my faith personally and, and just remind myself that there are other more important things in life and the work is going to come when the work comes. And if it doesn't, you know, there's plenty of other ways to make money and live and, and live happy lives. And, you know, my hope is theater comes back booming. I have lots of goals in theater. I still want to accomplish so many people love theater i'm sure it'll come back and when it does i can't wait and um but i I think putting all your eggs in that basket and and focusing on that is is really a a missed opportunity in this year of like you said being in a waiting room um because there's just so many other things that need tending to you know and i think this year specifically you know whether it's socially social justice wise and and um just so many things politically that needed to be addressed this year that I, I felt like I had to devote so much mental capacity to that anyway, that I don't think I would have been doing great work on stage as is, you know, we, 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 um, we, we have a country just so divided over some so super, super simple things. And even a church specifically, that's so divided. I've had to devote so much more mental capacity towards tough conversations this year, probably than any other year. And, I'm glad that I had the time. I'm glad that I had the energy to devote myself to those conversations because a lot of hearts were changed. And um, so I'm trying to to focus more on what we're doing with the time currently in this waiting room rather than uh, getting hopeless about the fact that, you know, we're having to wait more and more on theater. And so um, I think there's just lots of other, lots of an opportunity, lots of opportunities to focus on other priorities. Totally. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, this was great. We so appreciate you coming on the show. Before we say our farewells, I would love for our listeners to know um, how they can follow you, how they can keep up with you. I would love for them to know a little bit about everything but the kitchen sink. So just to wrap us up, tell us how we can keep up to date with Jimmy Nicks. 
<laughs> you know, it's funny. You asked for a bio. I'm terrible at that. I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I, I do things. Uh, no, I, I guess I have my, my resume. Um, no, it, if, uh, first of all, you can follow me on Instagram, obviously, Jimmy Nicks, J-I-M-M-Y-N-I-C-K-S, if that's your thing. If that's not your thing and that's a toxic space for you, don't do that. Um, but you can follow me on that. Uh, I encourage you to listen to everything but the kitchen sink. Um, a couple other really good, I want to shout out some other really good Christian theater podcasts as well. If, if this is, you know, something you really enjoy, you have a long commute, you know, I recommend Mike check my buddy, Darian Goulding runs that podcast. I recommend the John cast, John Jorgensen, uh, go back and listen to the old bear in the swan episodes, which is also John Jorgensen and his wife, Aaron, who's a good friend of mine. Um, just some good, some good podcasts of uh, people who love theater, who love Jesus, talking about it, and um, and everything but the kitchen sink, where we we talk about everything but the kitchen sink. Obviously, we'll talk about movies, sports. We've been going for four years, which is incredible. I'm super thankful. Um, before it was cool to have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, now everyone has one, so I feel very much like I'm like the old guy at the bar who's on my third pack of cigarettes, just like, uh, now everybody's here, like, whatever. You know, I've been here since 8 a.m., but now it's happy hour and everyone's here. Uh, but, um, you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, nothing but love. Check out everything but the kitchen sink and, um, and, uh, be hopeful, be hopeful for, for theater as we go into Advent, as we go into a new year, you know, I think that's my main shout out is, is be hopeful. Things are going to get better and, and, um, and, uh, and theater is going to come back. So that's, that's what I'd leave them with. And Emma, thank you. You, 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 um, you were such a wonderful host today. You were so, so wonderful. So you're such a better host than me. I'm a terrible (laughs) host on my own podcast. So that's not true. I, I, I don't agree, but thank you for saying that. <laughs> well, I just, you know, I, I, I go on any tangent. I start the mic without my guests knowing, uh, you know, anything like that. This is great. This is very restrained for me. We can go on like an hour. I, I'm always ready to do five. I just like refuse to shut up. I've got my coffee. I've got my cup of Diet Coke. I just like order a pizza. I'm ready to go for five hours. We're, well, I mean, during quarantine too, I know that's been like one of the best things about this is I'm like, I know that I know that a bunch of these people aren't working right now. Like I know that I can get them on the show if they, if yeah. they my okay, well, thank you so much to me. We appreciate you. Um, thank you for just your wisdom and your words. And we will keep up with you on everything but the kitchen sink. You're a queen, Emma. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. We release new episodes every Monday. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe, share with your friends, and you can follow us on Instagram at InWayBWay. We'll see you next week.